you're a fan of Tolkien, he has a, a quote that was in the Fellowship of the Ring. All that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wonder are lost. The old that is strong does not wither, deep roots are not reached by the frost. I love this, and if you come to our house, it's hanging on our wall. And I'd like to point out two things today as we enter into this message as a continuation of what we've been doing. All that's gold does not glitter. There are a lot of things in the world that glitter and sparkle and we desire it and we want it, but it's not gold. Gold is found in other places. God is our gold. Our family is our gold. Our church is our gold. Our children, our spouses. There's so many things to give out to others, to love others. That's golden. So all that is gold does not glitter. Remember that as we get into this because the world is going to want you to receive its gold. And deep roots are not reached by the frost. This is a time for deep roots. Deep roots that go down into the Word of God. And if you have deep roots, you're not going to reach by the frost of the things that happen in the world. Today we're looking at the book of Daniel. We're moving on in the same continuation of what we've been discussing on faith and how God calls us from the known to the unknown or he takes us and drags us from the known to the unknown Today's passage, the title for this sermon, I always have trouble with titles, but, you know, we want titles to put them on a slide. The God of Individuals and Kingdoms. For us to remember today that God is a God of individuals. He is your God as an individual. He's her God and his God and my God. He's a God of individuals, but he's a God of people also, God of kingdoms. God is in charge of everything, and nothing is happening right now that God is not aware of or in control of. I like the Quick View Bible. There's so many resources out there that, um, to go to on the internet to find things. But there are a couple of themes that they presented. I thought they summed it up really well as we get into this passage of Daniel. A couple of themes. God is in control over world events, kingdoms, and governments. Do you believe that? Yeah. God rewards those who remain faithful to him, even if you're the remnant. Do you believe that? God's people can thrive in difficult times as long as they continue to trust and believe in Him. You believe that? God's people can expect persecution. And there are symbolic prophecies that foretell the return of Christ. So as we get into this story, it's a continuation of a lineage and descendancy coming from Abraham, going through time. And at this point, God has a covenant with His people, the Israelites, the Jews. He has a covenant with them. And there are stipulations to his covenant with them. And they have not been holding their end of the covenant. And he told them when that happens, judgment will come upon you. And the God of the Old Testament looks like he's pretty angry. I used to think before I read the Bible. That God in the New Testament, Jesus, good cop. God in the Old Testament, bad cop. Looks really angry. But God gave them years and years and years to repent until it was too late to repent. Repentance is always, there's a time for repentance, but there's also a time for your punishment. In 2 Chronicles 36.5, Jehoiakim, we read, was the king at the time. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. They had their king, they had their kingdom, they had their time, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord their God, and judgment was coming upon the people. God's hand of judgment was falling. 
In Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, we read, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. So time of judgment had come, and as we read this, we see, and as we get into this story, God gave them into the hand of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, as punishment. God had determined, you will be leaving this land now. And he raised up this leader to be the instrument through which his people would be punished for 70 years. And God did something we wouldn't imagine God would never do. God wouldn't allow this. He allowed the articles, items from the temple, the holy temple, to be taken out to have his temple ransacked and eventually his temple to be destroyed. God will allow these things to happen on earth when his people are not faithful. He even allowed them to carry it to their house, to their little G God's house, and put the stuff in their house. God didn't care about the items. God's hand was moving and he was delivering a message. So we read as this happens, and here's the good news. I want you to listen to this, and I want my kids to listen to this. I want you to listen and hear this. I'm not standing here today. I don't believe the message is to terrify us. These are scary things. The message is to find encouragement. Now, during this time, if you, if you focus in on some things, you're going to get negative, and you're going to get fearful, and then you're going to drop out, and we're not going to see you anymore either. But if you listen, there's some encouragement and power here that goes beyond anything that we could ever sum up within our being. So as they're going, God always has a remnant, and he takes care of his remnant. So everybody had to go, everybody. There's some left behind to do some things, but they're getting dragged along. Imagine you're with that throng of people. You're getting dragged. I don't want to go to Babylon. I want it the way it used to be. Get in line, shackle up, head on out. And as they go out, King Nebuchadnezzar makes an order that's very interesting when they get there. And he's doing different things with people. Because this is an empire. Babylon is an empire. This is no small place they're going to. And they have a way they run things. And he tells his chief of officials to bring in some of the sons of Israel. These are including some of the royal family of the nobles, youths in whom there was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge. I would have been left behind. (laughs) Some of the kids made the cut. They wanted to raise them up if they saw in them the ability to be able to serve in the king's court. And he ordered that they would be taught the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So he's a smart man. He wants to bring in some of these people that know their own people. Hey, listen up, guys. Listen, if you're, if you're like a teenager right now and you're, you're, you're checking out, I'm saying that because some of you are. I hope you'll listen up. I hope you don't dismiss this. Like, that's church stuff. That's for the old people. These were young people, and is what I've been reading to you the last couple of weeks. You see the, the young people and the old people God's using? So you can not listen to this and not be ready, or you can take advantage of the day the Lord's given you to hear his word and to prepare and to be ready for the day and to know where you find your strength. It's not in gold, and it's not in people. It's in God. So these men have been selected. These young men have been selected, and they're going to have to be taught for three years. That's a long time, isn't it? Three years. All right, first of all, let's go back to like we talked about Abraham and Joseph. 
family's gone. Mom and dad's gone. Whatever they've told you, I hope you listened and absorbed because now you're standing without your parents anymore. Parents, your kids are gone. You hope you put into them what they needed to survive because everything's changing now and someone else is in charge because God is allowing it. I'm getting so excited I'm spitting, right? I'll try not to do that. Just letting you know I'm aware of it. So these young men are selected against their will. Now, actually, they're going to have it better in Babylon than they had it back at home. Okay? We need to remember that. They are going to have it better. It will get better for them. But do they actually want to enter into better? We're reading Daniel chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel. Now listen up, guys, especially you little high schoolers, junior high. This is you. These, these young men were anywhere from 14 to 18 years old. We don't know how old they were, but probably more up to 16 and 18. But they could have been as young as 14. Now, among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These are, these are guys. These are people. They have personalities. They have goals. They have dreams. They have likes and dislikes. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. So these guys are taken along for the punishment of the people. They're like, we didn't do anything. We're not even old enough to have done anything. It doesn't matter. Judgment has come. They're carried along, and they're in a whole new ball game now. It's a whole new thing, and they've been singled out, and they're in the king's court. And they now have to be educated. I don't want to be educated. You want to live? They have to be educated for three years. They've got to submit to this system. They go to these classes, and they might enter into the king's personal service. I don't want to enter into the king's personal service. Listen, it's better off for you if you do. Just do what he says. So they're going to be educated. And then did you catch that he assigned them new names? Who would like that? Who would like someone to change your name? I won't even pick a name because someone will never be named that name, and they'll be hurt. <laughs> Changing their names up. They can't even go by their old names anymore. And there's a reason for it as you see this. When there's a new system in place, there's a new leader in place, and they want you, they want to brainwash you, they want you to submit to their way. They don't want you carrying your old name and the meanings of your old name, the name given to you by your parents. Daniel meant judge for God. He was changed to Belshazzar, prince of Bel, one of their gods. Hananiah, gift of the Lord. Changed to Shadrach, servant of sin, who is the moon god. Mishael, who is what God is. Meshach, who is what Aku is. Another one of their gods. Azariah means whom Yahweh helps. Was changed to Abednego, servant of Nebo. So the world wants to assign you a new name. Satan wants to assign the church a new name too. He wants to change us. That we don't... Hold on to the word of God, but we just kind of blend in with all these other religions. He wants to change us if you watch and pay attention. The world wants to change your name. Now, the king said, I want them fed from my table to drink wine. They might, they're going to get the good stuff out of the good utensils, and the good cups, and the good plates, and all that. And they're, they're, they could be living large. But Daniel has to face something now. 
He's told this, you're going to be able to eat good, dude. You're going to be taught, and you've got a chance here of a lifetime. And he sees right away that this is stepping into his relationship with God. He was raised to know God. And he realizes now, they, they've changed my name already. What else do they want to do? Now they want to feed us from their table, and I can't eat that stuff because it's against my religion. So he's saying, this is, I, I, I can't do this. And think about all the things the world wants to give you, wants you to consume. Because the world wants you. You guys, come June, come December, I'm going to say, were you listening? This is the time to listen. We sung about repentance. I'm glad we sung it. I loved every song we did. We should have been repenting a long time ago. Things are changing now. We still repent, but now new things are happening, and we're going to have to go along with it. Listen to the Word of God, what He's saying to us. He wanted to give them new names, wanted them to eat from their table, wanted to give them free stuff. And he knows if I do that, it's going to change who I am. It's going to dishonor God. It's going to change me. I'm going to dishonor God, and I'm going to make a bold request out of my faith in God. I'm going to step up, and I'm going to ask that we are not required to do this. That's the first step. Notice he didn't refuse to do it. He didn't try to escape. He didn't run away. He said, I'm going to ask them if I could be excused from this. It's a good step, right? So he goes up, and he asks, And this is a sign of leadership amongst the other friends. Are you a leader amongst your friends? What you really believe, do they know what you believe? Are you following them, adults as well as kids? He was a leader amongst his friends, and he was a brave guy. And he went forward because he believed in God, and he honored God, and he saw you're treading on God's ways now, and you can't, not with me. So can I please be excused? And then he asked for his friends to be excused. Now, this is a theme we see in here. Daniel wasn't a lone ranger. Daniel didn't receive glory for himself. Look at me. Listen to what God did. Look what God's doing with me. He was in it with the team. He was in it with his friends. They went into this together. I heard, I was speaking in the office, and I heard it in prayer. United, we stand. Divided, we fall. Interesting. We were just saying it in the office, and I get into prayer, and Eve's in there saying that too. We don't stand alone. None of you stand alone. Whether you're single, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're married, you, you will not stand alone. You have to learn to do that. God is a God of individuals, but we also need to stand together. Got that? Okay. So he remembers his friends, and it gets permitted that he's going to just eat for 10 days. The guy doesn't want to do it. He said, I'm going to get me in trouble, but he convinced him, and for 10 days, he only eat vegetables and water. Okay? Some of you would love that. I would hate that. And as they do this, as they trust God in captivity, standing up for what they believe is true and right and honoring God, God honors them while in captivity. Now, the people of judgment has fallen, but this is where we get hope, guys. As you see bad things happen, you stay tight with God. You keep pursuing God and seeking God, and then God looks after you. Now, were they liberated and freed? No. Did they still have to do all this? Yes. But in the midst of it, they made a stand where they could, and God honored that. We read in 117, as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. So God gave them these things. We need to remember that as we have to make choices. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. How many times have we said that and we've never really had to choose? 
We should have been choosing, but we weren't. Now as we choose, we remember this as we go into the unknown that God is with us. And he's a God of the unknown because he's a revealer of all mysteries, right? So they go and do this. The king interviews everybody, brings them in. And lo and behold, how many days did they do this for? Remember? Ten? Ten days? Okay, it's looking good. He says, okay, you can continue on. The, the leader does. And then time comes when they go before the king. Imagine what that would have been like. Young people, you have to go before Nebuchadnezzar. And he found them ten times better than everybody else. Ten times better than his own wise men. Ten times better. That's how God rewarded them in the midst because God desired to use them. They submitted to his hand and he empowered them and he honored them with their commitment. So this also says something about Nebuchadnezzar. He was so smart that he was capable of interviewing them on all this literature and all these things and he personally found them ten times better. These Hebrews he found better, better than his own people. Now here's where it gets interesting. Daniel 2.1, now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Now I want to give you a little sidebar. If you dig into scripture, people will tell you you got a problem here. Because two years into it, they were studying for how long? Three. Three. You're like, well, that doesn't add up. Well, his dad, I believe is Nebopolassar. His dad was in charge still. He was with him, and eventually his dad dies, and then he's in charge. So there's no problem with the years on this. That's just a sidebar. I don't want to confuse you, but as you dig into the word, people will tell you there's inconsistency there. There's not. We just have to go and look at the history of the leadership. So he has a dream, and we know when someone has a dream, someone like this, God's doing something, right? Right? Right. Do you believe God still do, does these kind of can Can God give someone important and someone low a dream that's important for other people to know? The God of individuals can give you a dream. The God of kingdoms, of empires, of civilizations can give those leaders dreams too for his plans and his purposes. And he's got this, I call, strange relationship with Nebuchadnezzar that's really hard to understand. He's God's chosen man, but he doesn't appear to be godly at all. He's very worldly. And so God gives him a dream. It troubled him, and his sleep left him. And so he sends out a word to all his people, all his wise men, all his magicians, all his people that do all their little things, their little weird things with blood and smoke and all kind of stuff they do to look all kind of mystical. Look at me, I'm important. And he tells them, I want you to tell me this dream and interpret it, but they can't because God's not going to let them, right? Satan has some influence with people, People get mediums they go to, and they can find out things from familiar spirits, from demonic spirits. In this sense, God has shut the door on this, and they're getting nothing. And they go to the king, and they're afraid because they know they can't do anything. And they're like, tell us the dream, and we'll tell you the interpretation. And here's, here's this man that got put in charge. He goes, I'm not telling you the dream. You're just trying to buy time because you're going to lie to me. All of you are going to lie to me. Tell us the dream. Then he gets mad. He said, tell you what, I'll kill you all. Tear you limb from limb. I'm not telling you the dream. Boy, that would be scary, right? You think about these Hebrew kids that are there and they're trusting God and he put them in this position. And then they get word they're going out to collect them all. They're going to kill all these people, all these, all these king's people that are supposed to be giving him the answers. And when Daniel finds out, he asks for some time from the king. Okay? Now, we want to get excited and we want to get all spun up Oh, 
pack your bags. We're leaving tonight. He goes to the king and says, give me some time. Because I think God's doing something here. You all said you believe God still does things today. Careful. Because then when he gets time, what he does is he goes back to his boys, and they get together, and they pray. They get together, and they pray. Talking about repentance, we're talking about being there for one another, we're talking about honoring God, we're talking about praying together. They get together and pray, and then Daniel is revealed what it means. Chapter 2, verse 19, 23, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, listen to this, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He removes kings and establishes kings. We know all about that, don't we? Now, as you question that, as you struggle with that, like I do, as you pray about that, we have to acknowledge and admit sometimes God's judgment comes and God will remove kings and establish kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding and women too, we know. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. This is, this is all Daniel's saying. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you. You have made known to us the king's matter. We can take confidence in this, because I'm going to read you something scary in a few minutes. But we can take confidence that this is even in the midst of all that's going on, even in the midst when you find yourself like a captive carried into unknown territory where you don't want to be, you're on enemy's turf, you stay true to God and God's going to look out for you. And then God's going to possibly speak through you, just as he did these boys. You guys got this? We awake? I appreciate the person in the back. First back to like yawning. When you're yawning, that means you're trying. You fight the good fight back there. I have seen your offering. And that's from a young guy. Thank you. And he's smiling now too. So we read that God's in charge of the times. God removes kings and establishes kings. When we get a king, we want... When we get a king we don't want, <laughs> what happened? As a pastor told me a long time ago when I was a younger man, he said, we either get the king we asked for or the one we deserve. He removes kings and establishes kings. And then he, he goes on to say and thank God for what we requested. Daniel doesn't run out and go like, I get dreams now. God's anointed me. I'm the dreamer. Everybody come to me if you have a dream or you want an interpretation because that's me. I'm the one in the church. I'm special. God's touched me. Give me a seat in the front. He thanks God. He said, you, you, you made known to me what we requested. All along, he's remembering his buddies. He's like, God, we, you know, we all prayed this. I just happened to be the one you told. Thank you, God, for telling us what we requested. You can't have we when all you do is focus on me. 
So he asked for permission to go to the king, and it's kind of funny. He goes to the captain of the guard. The captain of the guard goes to the king, and this is really great. The captain says, I found someone. He tries to take credit in the midst. Don't miss that in the midst of things. When you see all these people running around acting the fool and doing stuff and trying to get position, jockeying for position, he runs to the king. King, oh king, I found someone. He didn't find anybody. Daniel went to him. So anyway, he sends to the king to tell him, and then the king calls for Daniel. And the king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, however, king, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And if you pay attention, if you stretch and you listen, God's going to reveal a mystery to you today here. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the later days. Well, buddy, I'm interested in this, are you? Because when I look at the time chart, we're in the later days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Who can understand even what's going on here as God interacts with this man? But he is recording something for us today that we're going to examine together as a group that's very important for us to listen to, I believe. It's a, it, is, it is time. So God is revealing mysteries, and it's about the latter days. So, now he's going to tell him the dream. You ready? We're doing good on the clock. Sigh of relief. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So Daniel has now validated, I know what you saw. And if you'll listen to what we're discussing, this is, this is awful. This is full of awe. This is, we're, we're on holy ground as we read the, the dream God gave this king and then the interpretation that the young man of God was given. This was a dream now... We will tell its interpretation before the king. You ready for this? Because this involves us. The first kingdom. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand and has caused you to rule over them. You are the head of gold. Did he become head of gold by all his tactics and his warfare and his ingenuity and his wisdom? He became king because God made him king. Because God puts kings up and takes kings down. In this situation, he put this man in charge. We need to remember that. 
We don't lose our faith in God when we don't see happening what we thought would happen. We pay attention to what God is doing. Now, this Babylonian empire is going to last from 636 to 539 B.C. And it was an empire. You go back and read some of it about this place. It was, um, I think it was like a square, if I remember right. Every wall was 15 miles long. 15, 15, 15. A wall around it that was 200 to 300 feet high, and it was 87 feet wide. And it was beautiful. Hanging gardens. They had all kind of stuff in this place. And I even read they had a, a tunnel that would go underneath the river. Like you're in London or somewhere, if you can get one side to the other. We think people were stupid back then sometimes. But they do stuff we could never accomplish. This place was magnificent, incredible, beautiful. But where is it today? Where is Babylon today? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. All its splendor, all its glory, everything's gone. All the power they had, all the oppression they put on people, all the arrogance, all the pride, all the beauty, all the gold. It's gone. But what about God's kingdom? God's kingdom is still here, right? Are you a part of that kingdom? The second kingdom he's going to tell us about is the Medo-Persians. So God has given a dream to this man telling him what's going to happen in the future about empires, about kingdoms. He said, the breast and arms of silver, after you there will arise another kingdom inferior to you. The Medo-Persians led by Cyrus. Cyrus conquered Babylon in 539 B.C. Babylon's gone. Now the Greeks are in charge. Nothing new under the sun, right? As time progresses, people change hands, different leadership. Jeremiah had prophesied about this. He said, sharpen the arrows, fill the quivers. The Lord has aroused the spirit of the kings of the Medes because his purpose is against Babylon to destroy it. For it is the vengeance of the Lord, vengeance for his temple. That's important to pay attention to because Jeremiah is prophesying about what's going to happen in the future, and now it happened, okay? Because there's going to be some prophecies for us, too. In Isaiah, this remarkable thing happens in Scripture when you have people that argue about the Word of God, and the Word of God's inconsistent, it's just man-made things. Isaiah predicted by name that this man would come well before he came. Isaiah 45, 1, Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed, whom I have taken by the right hand, to subdue nations before him and to loose the loins of kings, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. Isaiah said, This is coming, and gave him by name, Cyrus. Nostradamus couldn't even get Hitler right. If you know what I'm talking about, or done your research, he said, Hitler. But God doesn't get the letters wrong. God got the name right. Because God's at large and in charge, Right? Do you believe that? Azariah tells us that about when Cyrus became king, and it was time, the judgment was over, the 70 years are over, and he said, go on back, folks, go on back, and you're supposed to rebuild your temple too. So God's hand has been at work. All this has been done, and the Medo-Persian kingdom lasted from 539 to 330 B.C. And where is it now? It's gone. It's done. Did you hear what we're getting at here? Things look really big and terrifying and powerful on the face of the earth, but in a breath, they're gone and they're history. Now, history's born some of you out of your mind. I can see it on your faces as I'm giving dates. Some of you are like, some of you get excited. You want more dates. You want more history. You only get in a tiny bit because the other ones don't want it. Then came the third kingdom, 
The belly and legs made of bronze. Then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. This kingdom of bronze was the Greek or Grecian kingdom, led by Alexander the Great. Lasted from 330 to 63 BC. Another kingdom comes, another kingdom goes. And you know about Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. Only God is great, all right? God is great and highly to be praised. This was a man of immoral character and debauchery and died of a young age. But man, he had the power for a time. Satan will give you the power for a time until his ends are accomplished or God says no more. And then he dies at a young age, and this kingdom is God, but the kingdom of God, still there, still moving forward. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you really? We've been, we've been doing church for a long time, and we're finding out we didn't really believe some of the things we were saying and singing. And then comes the legs of iron in the picture. The fourth kingdom was the Roman kingdom. Now, it, it, as you can tell, Daniel's not telling him these things. He's telling him about the kingdoms, but we know looking back in history, everybody agrees on all of these, but what's going to come in a minute. They all agree on this, that that was Rome. Then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, and as much as iron crushes and shatters all things, so like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. Now you notice, as the kingdoms progress, the, uh, the metals getting of lower value, right? Gold, silver, bronze, iron. It's getting less and less and less. As it progresses, this is the Roman kingdom. It lasted from 63 BC to 475 AD. Now, I want to tell you something, a sidebar about the Roman kingdom. Okay? As it started to go away, there was a Latin term, panim et circenses. Now, somebody probably in here knows that. West probably is like, I got that. <laughs> panim et circenses. It means bread and circus. Have you heard of this before? Some of the movies maybe you've seen? Bread and circus. It was a phrase used by a Roman poet named Juvenal. Okay? Sounds boring, but listen, guys. My own kids, I'm looking at you. Listen and catch this. It was written by Juvenal, this is his name, to deploy the declining heroism of Romans after the Roman Republic ceased to exist and the Roman Empire began. The Republic was over, and now the Roman Empire is beginning. Two things only the people anxiously desire, he wrote, bread and circuses. He was referring to the actions of the government to keep the Roman populace happy by distributing free food and staging huge spectacles. Are you listening, folks? Such as gladiator fights in the Colosseum. Keep giving them free stuff and keep them amused so they don't see what's going on. They say if we don't know our history, we're doomed to repeat it. Do you believe that? Do you believe this is a word for today? Because I wasn't going to read that because I thought it would get me in trouble. And we'll lose two more people. Now here's the question. Do you remember what came next in the statue? Feet of clay and iron. You're not showing it yet, are you? All right, you can go ahead. Now here's where some confusion goes for Bible people, scholars. Men and women who spend all their time researching this. Some think this is just the end of the Roman Empire. Okay? They think it represents, uh, as, a, as it deteriorated, and it did turn into ten, ten groups. It turned into ten people groups. And it does represent that. Yet there is more 
I believe, and I'm going to say this with confidence today, is what Daniel described next, the end of the Roman Empire, as biblical evidence supports, it does support it, or is it also, as biblical evidence supports, a revived Roman Empire in later days, Babylon the Great, the harlot? Such as was presented by Jesus, Daniel, Isaiah, Zechariah, Malachi, Ezekiel, Paul, and John, all of them presented to us today so that we would know that there will be another kingdom, a revised Roman Empire. This kingdom will cover the entire earth. It will involve all people. Everyone will be swept up in it. In that you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but will have in it the toughness of iron inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. So you can see why some scholars stop there and say that was just the end of the Roman Empire. And if that's all you read, you can accept that. But if you continue reading Daniel, there's more to it. If you continue reading the other minor prophets and major prophets, and you read the book of Revelation, there's more to it. The visions in this dream parallel the four beasts later to be described in Daniel chapter 7. So he's going to have, there's going to be another vision that's going to be interpreted, particularly the fourth beast in this vision, which we'll get to later when we get to that part of the Bible, which was different from all the others. Exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its claws of brawn, in which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet. In the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn which came up and before which three of them fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth, uttering great boasts, and which was larger in appearance than its associates. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. So there is a kingdom yet to come. We're told in the Bible there's a kingdom still yet to come. It's going to be a worldwide kingdom with a worldwide leader, the Antichrist. It's all true. Satan is going to have his group, his blasphemy of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're going to have the false prophet, the beast, the dragon. This will happen. Should we pay attention? Yes. Should we pay attention to bread and circuses? Should we pay attention to kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall? Should we pay attention to those who dishonor God and those who honor God? Yes. So to me, this is scary. It is. If, if I thought that I'm going to live in a day and time when there's going to be a one-world government that will have a one-world religion that will control everything, that if I don't submit, it will lock me out of the system like Twitter? Are you paying attention, everybody? Does that get me in legal trouble? <laughs> when they can lock you out because you don't agree with them, you need to start paying attention. When they want to give you wine and food from their table for free and they want to keep you entertained, you need to pay attention because the enemy is vying for us. And God says in his word that if he didn't shorten the days, that even the elect would be deceived. 
That means there is a great deception coming upon the world that even we, us in this room, can be deceived. All it would take is something cataclysmic involving the entire world to get everybody's attention and unite us together. I can't imagine anything like that, can you? Have we ever seen anything like that? To tie us all together, to make us all one. And in and, and that situation, always a leader is going to emerge. Somebody's going to stand up. Someone's going to claim the power. So that time is going to come until, as Scripture said, the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed. He went on to say in the vision, a stone cut out with cut out without human hands. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which never, which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. This is where it gets to be on the good news. So the other stuff was scary. It's like, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be carried into Babylon, modern-day Babylon, revived Roman Empire. Maybe you won't. But if you do, know that you are in a kingdom that lasts forever. You can be a child of God in the midst of darkness, and you can still shine and be used by God. When you start reading about a rock that's cut out and without hands, who do you start thinking of? I started thinking about Jesus, brother, because I read the Bible. I may not be an expert on it. I may not be able to remember where everything's located at, but I've read it, and it says in Psalm 118.22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is quoted by Jesus. It's quoted by Paul, and it's quoted by Peter, and Paul and Peter declared that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. So when we start seeing something about a big stone that's cut out without hands, as a Christian, I start getting excited. Isaiah said in chapter 8, verse 14, Then he shall become a sanctuary, but to both the houses of Israel, a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Quoted by Peter and Paul, declaring that Jesus is the living stone. Isaiah said, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Quoted by Jesus, Paul, and Peter. Paul and Peter again declared that Jesus is the cornerstone. So this rock is going to strike the statue. In the dream, the rock struck it. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. So God wanted him to know, and he wanted us to know. He wants you to know. I'm going to quote Jesus right now. He who she who has ears, let them hear. He or she who is deaf, go about your business. This rock's going to hit the statue, and then it crushes it, and the statue's destroyed. He said, Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. <laughs> I love that, the confidence of this guy standing there. Drop the mic. The dream is true, okay? And the interpretation is trustworthy. And then you know what happened? King Nebuchadnezzar knows, he knows that he knows that he knows. No one could tell him the dream, but this man did, and he knows he has heard from the word of God, from the voice of God, and he fell on his face, and he worshiped before Daniel. Can you imagine everybody watching this? When, Daniel shouldn't be worshipped. We know that. But this is what this pagan 
king did. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, fell on his face, and he worships Daniel, and he gives him all this stuff. He gives him all these gifts and things and presents offerings to him. And then he says, surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. Could you imagine, pick some random leader out there right now. Don't shout it out. Some random leader seems to be totally against God, giving God lip service but denying the power. Imagine this leader saying, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. He knows that he knows that he knows. Do we know that we know that we know? Are you attracting with me? I'm trying to be Dr. Seuss up here. King Nebuchadnezzar knew at that point what was presented to him was truth, and you could take it to the bank, and it was real. But do we know that today, that we could hold God at his truth and at his promise and at his power, that we won't be weak, entertained people anymore? We won't be looking for free stuff and thinking about me instead of we? That we won't be casting aside the things that are holy and righteous for the things that are unclean? So the king does this, and then the king promotes him. The king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Now, you know that didn't go over well, right? But get this, and Daniel made a request of the king. He said, I want ten wives. I want my own palace, king. I want my own chariot. And I definitely want somebody to drive the chariot for me. Is that what he asked for? He asked for, never mind. I won't go there. He made a request to the king, and due to his request, he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. So Daniel went to the king's court. That's what God decided, but Daniel did not forget his friends. And he asked for them, and he stepped in for them, and they remembered each other, and they were there together, doing it together in the enemy's territory, trusting God together, and they were all being promoted while there. How does this speak to you? Is this speaking to you? This is an extremely important message right now. Throughout history, people will say everybody thought it was the end times. And that's true. But what I see as a student of the Word of God and as what I see, uh, I majored in sociology. I like watching people and trends and things. Never before in the history of mankind is, are things in place right now like they are now. With the, the knowledge and the power we have with computers, able to communicate around the world, we have the ability now to lock you out of the system. And we're told there will come a time, if you do not receive the mark of the leader, which is the mark of the beast, you cannot buy, you cannot sell, you cannot do anything. You can't trade. You certainly can't get on social media. Are you paying attention? So what about us? What do we do with this? Like, oh, that was interesting. I'm glad he talked about some of that stuff. Kind of scary, a little weird, but I hope we don't get on this and keep running with it. I've resisted preaching this stuff. I've been praying about it, not resisting God, but resisting myself all of last year because I felt my perception is everybody's going to jump on the bandwagon. Everybody's going to start doing Book of Revelation. Everybody's going to start doing... I prayed about it until I felt God said it's time. I wanted to preach Joseph today. Pause to give you time to open the eyes. When you realize somebody got quiet, he's not talking. Now what happened? I wanted to preach Joseph today, but I felt God said, Jim, I felt, I didn't hear it. 
As exciting as that all is and the rest of the story, they can go read it themselves. I want you to move on because now it's time to start talking about this. So what about us? I want to read something to you, and this is the last verse. And we meet on Wednesday nights to pray at this church. Don't be shaking your head if you don't come, acting like, yes, you do. You do. I don't. I don't say that to shame anybody. I don't say that to guilt you. You're like, well, it sure sounds like you're shaming and guilting. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to shake somebody out of lethargy. And I don't care who you are and what you believe and what you think. When you see in the Word of God, you may not like praying with other people, and it may be weird and crazy and you didn't like what we did the night you came. There's a lot of things about being a Christian I don't like and don't want to do. But it seems to be key to our survival is through prayer. And it's praying together. Now, if you're of age and you can drive and you can come up here, think about it. We're going to pray this on this verse Wednesday night, but I want to share it with you now. What about us? What do we do? 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10. Now, right now, we have some options, okay? Come down there with you. I'm going to come off camera, Mike. This is so important, guys, so important. Right now, we can get angry. We can get angry at somebody because they're not our same gender. We can get angry because somebody who's not my gender wants to be my gender. We can get angry because we have different skin colors. We can get angry because different policies and politics and all that kind of stuff. We can just get angry. We can hide. We can try to run away, but you can't run from God. Or we can submit to his will, and we can enter in, and we can shine in a dark place. You've got things that are happening right now that are going to be enforced upon you. Do you understand? Are you listening? Last year, 2020 was the warm-up. But as we read these stories, we find out God says, I'm with you in the unknown. Go ahead on in. If If I have allowed it, then go on in and trust me and seek me and rely upon me. And this is what he wants us to do. Therefore, therefore, Putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow. We don't stay in the same state we were in when we got saved. He wants us to grow. We are meant to grow if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, he wants us to put these other things away, and he wants us to grow in his word and respect to salvation. And coming to him as to a living stone. Here we are again. Who is the living stone? Jesus. Jesus. Say it louder and wake some people up. You guys are so mean when you do that. You don't know what they're going through. They're tired. Why are you yelling at people? Shame on you guys. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Jesus is son, son of God, Jesus Christ, the living God. Choice and precious in the sight of God. Not all that is gold glitters. And not all that glitters is gold. Make sure I say it right away. You also, now you, 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 me, okay, me. The time for what we were doing in the past is over. Now, we can continue doing it and see what happens because you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? You can lead a church to the Word of God, but you can't make them act on it 
We have to buy into it ourselves. We, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He's the God of individuals, and he's the God of kingdoms. For this is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. All right, so if you're listening, I, I raise my voice. I don't like shouting and stuff. My kids are probably like, why is he shouting so much? Trying to get your attention. This is for you who believe. If you're in here and you believe, take confidence and take courage, okay? If you're at home for whatever reason, take confidence and take courage that the God you believe in has got this, and he's got you. He's got individuals, and he has kingdoms. God has this. He's a powerful God. If you could see what I would see right now, you'd know. And that's the way it's going to go. Some are going to listen, some are not. And then we're going to be caught up in the flow of everything, and some are going to be ready, and some are not. Some are going to have oil in their lamps, and some are not. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, all these empires, all these kingdoms, all these kings and queens and politicians and people in high places, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Jesus Christ today is a rock of offense. People do not honor him. People are not going to praise him. They're going to do just the opposite. When you speak the name of Jesus, they're not going to want to receive it. And they're going to look at you differently, and they're not going to want to receive you. And we've been told this is going to happen, so don't be surprised. And don't walk away when it happens. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you, you are a chosen race. Do you want to be a chosen race? Yes. Does it say what color that race is? No. no. A royal priesthood. Some of you don't feel worthy to be a royal priesthood, but you are because the priest of priests, Jesus Christ, has anointed you with his blood and declared you a priest. A holy nation... And we're not talking about any nation on the face of the earth right now, are we? I don't know of a holy nation out there. There's only one, it's the kingdom of God. And we've been placed in their midst. A people for God's own possession, so that. Okay, there we go, so that. And that's the problem with the church. That's what's happened with the church at large with us. It's we didn't remember the so that. We thought the so that was so that we could be blessed so that we could be prosperous, so that we would be healthy, we would never be sick, we would get promoted, and life would be good. And God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. So that we could say, I'm the dreamer of dreams. I'm the singer of songs. I'm this. I'm that. All glory to me. Did you see my house? You want to ride in my car? I had somebody one time sink a whole truckload of money into this shiny little sports car. And it was sporty. And they said, hey, you want to you drive my car? I'm like, no, I don't drive your car. I don't have insurance to cover if I wreck that thing. That's your thing, brother. Don't suck me in on that. All that glitters is not gold, right? We're, we're almost done here. Here's the so that. We're chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Proclaim him with your words. Proclaim him with your actions. 
Proclaiming with your words and your actions. Don't proclaim him with your words and act differently. Proclaim him with your words and your actions. Faith without works is dead. For you once were not a people, but now... I'm missing some good stuff, right? Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have not received mercy. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That was a lot of stuff. I hope, I hope, I hope you're hearing it. Are, are you guys hearing it? Are you hearing something anew? I'm not getting on a kick. I'm not here for that. I have not wrote a book that I want to sell. I'm not trying to get a, an allegiance of people. Actually, the things I'm saying in the future, I'm a little concerned about what I'm saying because in the future, it's not going to be legal to say some of the things that I say. It's going to be called hate speech. You hear it today. I'm talking about it today. Hate speech. I will have to make a decision. Am I going to say what I want to say? I've seen in, in media that one word of hate speech is to speak against abortion. That that will be hate speech. That's my bridge to cross. But I have a big God. And I'm learning that more and more every day. That I have a big God. And when I go into scary things, he's there with me. And he's got it. So we're going to continue on in this. We have a time now, uh, two songs at the end. Two, Roger? We'll have two. If you want to come up here and pray, you're welcome to come up here and pray. If you want somebody to pray with you, ask me, point at me, and I'll either come pray with you or I'll get somebody to pray with you. But what I would really want to impress upon you guys, I'm not going to sermon number three. I don't like when pastors do that. Pay attention to what's going on. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Next Sunday's not guaranteed. We don't know what each day is going to look like. We don't know what's going to come our way. So we have to get our focus right now. We have to ask ourselves, do we really, really believe what's in here? And then we follow up with our actions. And we do it together, right? There will come a time for me, whenever you're isolated and alone or pulled apart, if God directs you in that way. But until then, we've got we. Okay? Father, I praise you, God. I hope God is in eloquent as I can be, Father. As rambling as I can be, Lord God, I ask, dear Lord, our Father, that you'll please, please, there'll be no one in this building who's heard some of these words left at this moment untouched. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you will stir all of this up. I pray that you'll stir it up. I pray that you'll help us to take our eyes off the things that glitter, the things that are free and the things that satisfy our flesh that are traps to lead us away from the Father. And help us to be strong, to stand upright spiritually, and to be like Daniel was. And to be like his friends were, Lord God. I pray you please help us for such a time as this. You've allowed us to be here, God. We have questions, but help us to put our questions aside to walk in faith, not by sight. We praise you, Jesus. In your mighty name I pray. Amen.